Hi, welcome to The Bug Plug, a podcast about all things insects, arachnids, arthropods, creepies, and crawlies. I'm Kaylee, and today we're learning about the spongy moth. Did you know the last week of July is National Moth Week? I really should have uploaded this moth episode last week to celebrate, but I had no idea this was a thing until a couple of days ago. So you are currently hearing a episode that was researched, written, recorded, and edited the day before it airs. Since I'm the only one here, that's a lot of work just to try and celebrate some moths, but we're doing it. Here we are. I've done a moth episode before when we learned about the milkweed tussock moths. We learned the difference between moths and butterflies and how they're also great pollinators who do an amazing job keeping our plants alive. Um, And this includes our food source plants. Uh, We also talked about how their chrysalises are different between the moths and the butterflies. And um, Yeah, it's a great moth episode. If you haven't listened to it, you could give it a listen after this and have the whole little moth thing going on. I can't remember how I found today's topic, just that I had spongy moth written on a list of possible episode topics. Oh, if you ever have a bug you want to hear about, let me know. I'm very happy to take suggestions. I'm always happy to add things to my possible episode list. Anyway, I usually find a topic as I'm scrolling through social media or like when my mom asks me to identify something for her. I'm sure this one was posted about somewhere and I thought it would be fun to look into, but I don't remember the specifics. A lot of topics end up just like not having enough information to do a full episode. And as I'm researching and writing this at the exact same time, I'm hoping that's not the case today. As I'm recording and reading through the notes, it's very much not the case. I've got a lot of notes. I don't know how long of an episode this will be, but it's quite a bit of notes. So the spongy moths. They are little fuzzy brown things that uh, the males have these fun, fluffy looking antenna. They get their names from their sponge-like egg masses. And the common name spongy moth is new. 
I think that might have been what I saw that made me add it to the list. And um, as I did a little bit more research into it, it's definitely the reason I added it to this list. It's fun when bugs get named or renamed recently. Like it was renamed last July. Very cool. So here's the story. A group called the Entomological Society of America was formed to rename insects whose common names include things like stereotypes, slurs, or just insulting references. This was their first renaming project and it was done with a lot of input from the public. The original common name of the spongy moth included a slur that has been negatively affecting a community for decades and honestly, I still hear it a lot. Um, I did not realize it was a slur until an episode of House. It was on there. So yeah, learn new things every day from weird places. By working to rename some insects, the Entomological Society of America is trying to create a more inclusive field. And you know... If they wanted to have me help rename some bugs, I would love it. You guys know I want to name bugs. I, I wonder if there's like an application to join. Anyway, not the point right now. So the spongy moths originate from the Eurasia area, and they were documented as a pest as early as the 1600s. It's a long time ago. Their origin story here in the United States is a fun one. Usually when I explain how an insect got here, something boring or vague, like on a boat or something like that, but that's not the case this time. So it's 1868. The Civil War has greatly affected cotton availability here in the United States. And there is a disease wiping out the traditional silk moths. So no cotton, no silk. What are people gonna make their pants out of? So a group of people started looking into the silk ability of other moths, or the silkability of other moths when mated with the silk moths. They were trying to overcome this disease that's affecting the silk moths. They were entomologists who, in theory, knew what they were doing. I'm gonna assume they did. I don't know what the field of entomology looked like in the mid-1800s, but biology really took off um, a long time ago, so I'm assuming they knew what they were doing. They reached out to some entomology friends in other parts of the world, including one guy in France, to ship some potential silk contenders. Whether or not it was on purpose, the shipment from France included spongy moth eggs. I'm going to assume it wasn't on purpose because Europe was having trouble with these moths at the time, so I would hope somebody wouldn't send them to a new environment on purpose. Or maybe it was done for research sake. Kind of like a, let's see what happens in a new environment. Who knows? But that is how we ended up with these moths. I've said they cause damage and that they've been considered pests since day one. They basically completely defoliate trees, meaning they eat all the leaves off. All of them. Every leaf. Without the leaves, the trees have a really hard time photosynthesizing, and they die because they can't get all the nutrients they need. Leaves are very important for trees. There's a reason they lose them all before winter because they're kind of going into a hibernation stage and a reason they grow them all back in the spring because they're exiting this hibernation type thing and 
they need nutrients to survive and, and grow. So without the leaves, they really have no way to get nutrients. They're also in the tussock moth family. So they're like cousins of the milkweed tussocks that we learned about a while ago. If you remember that episode, you know that their caterpillars can be irritating to human skin. We talked about how they sometimes cause rashes and stuff. The spongy moths are the same way. Their caterpillars are fuzzy little things with little red or sometimes gray or black dots along their back. They do not look as cool as the milkweed tussock moths, just saying. They hatch in the spring from eggs laid the previous summer, and they just go to town eating all the leaves. Again, I do mean all of the leaves. They remain in their caterpillar stage for about seven weeks before going into a chrysalis for just a couple of weeks. And then the adult moth emerges in the summer, the females lay eggs, and then they die after just a few weeks. They lay between 600 and 1,000 eggs each summer, but not all of them will hatch the following spring. Some things will eat them, people may remove them, but still it's a lot of eggs. And basically what happens when they hatch is these little caterpillars come out, and let's say half of them died. So... 300 to 500 caterpillars emerge. And I made the reference in the last moth episode to the very hungry caterpillar, but they are very hungry caterpillars. The group that hatches, if they don't kill the tree, they get really close to it. And then their adult forms don't really travel. So the some of the female species of spongy moths don't fly. They have wings, but they just like don't leave the tree they're on. And the males will only leave their tree to find a mate. So if there's a large enough group of them on a tree, they're not going anywhere. So again, let's say 300 to 500 hatch, they mate, they do their thing. The next spring, more eggs hatch and if the first generation of caterpillars didn't totally kill the tree the second generation might probably will they probably will and then once they're done munching on that tree there's no leaves left they'll travel a very short distance to find the next tree so in wooded areas they can be a real issue if you see them on your trees it could be an issue they always recommend that you check your trees regularly. I always kind of thought that was silly. Why would you check a tree? Like, what's going on? But after doing the research for this episode and the research for next week's episode, which was actually supposed to be this week's episode, um, there are a lot of pests that can just destroy your trees. I know I get bagworms around here. I don't know what those are. I'm going to have to do an episode on them at some point because literally no clue what those are, but they look crazy. And is the thing I pull off the worm or is it a chrysalis? I don't know. Going to have to look into it. But it's recommended that you check your trees each spring and fall for pests, including these spongy moths. So they lay their eggs in late summer so think like august september like coming up 
And it's this mass of like white spongy grossness. And they put it towards the base of the tree. So in just a few weeks, really, you could look on your tree trunks. And if there's like this white spongy mass, you have sponge moths. And really, all you have to do is scrape it off. Again, remember, it's a lot of eggs, so you're going to want to make sure you get them all. Because even if just a couple hatch, they'll still cause damage. They'll lay more eggs the next year, and you'll just have an ongoing problem. So, check your trees. August, September, I mean even into October. Check them for that white, gross mass. Really, you can just scrape them. There are pesticides. I've talked about why you might not want to use pesticides several times, but other things live on your trees, live near your trees. They don't cause any harm to you or the trees themselves. When you spray a pesticide, you are killing basically everything. So the good stuff, the good pollinators, you're just knocking them out by spraying for these moths that don't really pollinate or do anything. Um, So I would definitely recommend if you have the eggs to scrape them. And then, of course, get rid of them. Don't like scrape them onto the ground and say, okay, good enough, because they'll still hatch even if they're not attached to a tree. If you wait until the spring when you see just like hundreds of caterpillars, you're gonna have to physically remove each one to get rid of them. So, It's definitely worth checking trees for the eggs before the caterpillars hatch because then you have a bigger issue. And if you miss one, you're going to have to repeat the cycle next year. I saw something where you could wrap your trees in burlap so that they can't lay their eggs there. So that's worth looking into too. There are environmentally conscious ways to get rid of pests and to... um, keep your trees and everything healthy without spraying a pesticide that's going to kill the bees and all of the things that are really good for your environment. Finally, will it pet? No, I'm just going to leave it there. No, it won't pet. All right, let's recap and close this one out. Firstly, I missed National Moth Week, but it's a thing and I'm pumped that I can celebrate it next year maybe. Um, And I'm also very excited that I could get this episode out quick enough to celebrate even if it is a day late or a week late. I guess if I posted it Saturday, it'd still be moth week, but really I should have posted last week. Sorry. The spongy moths were the first to be renamed by the ESA in their efforts to make common names more acceptable to everybody. The spongy moths caterpillars will destroy a tree by eating all of the leaves. And those spongy moths were introduced to North America from Europe as a potential replacement for silk moths. Or maybe it was an accident, who knows. It wasn't like documented if he sent those particular eggs, but maybe he was just being a turd and sent them on purpose, being like, haha, we're dealing with this issue and now so do you. I don't know. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you for learning with me today. I'll see you next week here on the Bug Plug Podcast.